was even exciting to me when I learned about shelf placement 29 years ago when I was like, oh, you pay for shelf placement as a brand in a supermarket? Like, oh, I get it. The right person's there at the right time. And if you can get the right message to them, you can sell your stuff, right? And so retail media has that high intent signal and high level of precision of targeting that is pretty close to search. Hi, this is Alan Ostek. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of IntentWise. Today, we're fortunate to have Kevin Lee on our IntentWise Connect series. Kevin is the Executive Chairman and Founder of Didit. They are a digital performance agency, and Kevin is also the CEO of the Marketing Association. And I could continue on with Kevin's entrepreneurial ventures as he has many, but I think I'll stop there. Kevin, how are you today? Well, you know, I, I wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, it's actually ex executive chairman of Did It, uh, it's CEO of the eMarketing Association and, and president of Giving Forward, a nonprofit. Uh, and, and I leave a bunch of stuff off because there's a bunch of other stuff too, uh, not to mention my wife's businesses that I help with. So I, I keep pretty busy. Um, lots of fun stuff going on. Obviously, we're heading into the retail season for our retail clients. So lots of craziness. Uh, luckily, the Did It team is fantastic, and so while I'm involved in strategy for clients, I don't have to get too deep into the weeds, but I do like to keep my hands a little bit dirty and keep track of what's going on in uh, all forms of digital media, whether that's uh, social, search, uh, and retail media. So it's really been fun watching the evolution. Well, let's, let's go a little bit further back on the time machine. So um, how did you get started with Did It, and uh, what was the... The, the concept behind starting the agency. So did it actually didn't start as an agency. It was a spinoff mm -hmm. of an agency. So I actually had a client uh, and we sort of together came up with an SEO tool in 1996. And uh, we decided to turn it into its own company and spin it off um, as, a, as a new entity. And within three months, we were cash flow positive with this SEO tool. And this predates Google significantly. So we're talking about Lycos, AltaVista, InfoSeek, Excite, uh, brand names like that. And um, so, you know, shortly thereafter, the, this other pay-per-click search engine came about, uh, goto.com, and they thought they were going to be a destination search engine for a while, and they went and did advertising and spent millions of dollars and then decided to turn it into a platform. And uh, we had built some internal tools because we were doing uh, click arbitrage, essentially buying clicks from GoTo very inexpensively and reselling them packaged up with organic clicks uh, from some of the organic search that we were doing. And, you know, one of our clients said, well, why don't you, you know, productize that thing that you built and turn it into its own bid alert system for GoTo.com? And we did. Um, and then that became bid management. And we were, you know, we had a huge business, you know, with our bid management SaaS business for many years. That business became less interesting from a profitability perspective uh, when Marin Software went out and raised over $100 million in venture money uh, with the objective to get big and go public. Challenge was, you know, their, their getting big meant that they were a low-cost leader, and uh, I don't believe they've ever had a profitable quarter in their existence. I'd have to go look it up. But that made the bid management business a less than attractive business and we layered services back onto paid search while we were also doing organic search services and um, to get EBITDA back right? and uh, 
we eventually ended up sunsetting uh, Maestro, our technology, because it didn't make sense to continue to operate it. Uh, the internal tools at, at uh, Google got better and better. We had Marin, we had uh, Kenchu, who's of course renamed themselves now, and a couple of other external platforms. So we became more platform agnostic, and we just continued to take our, our expertise and, and deploy that. And over the years, clients kept asking us to do more and more things. And when we didn't have the staff to do the thing that they asked us, one solution was to do M&A. So we, we bought 11 companies over the years uh, and merged them into Did It to become a full service agency. And that even includes direct mail. And we bought three PR agencies and two creative shops. And so uh, increasingly, all those things play off of each other, right? It's like SEO in a silo. That might have worked in 1998. It might have even worked in 2001. But with social media and digital PR and content marketing and influencer marketing all sending signals to Google and Bing about what things are more relevant, you can't run SEO in a silo anymore, and I'm glad we don't. <laughs> so that practice is really part of our earned media practice. And then we've got our paid media practice, of which managing millions a month in paid search is just one piece of it. Because... Again, there are these interaction effects between media where you buy one media and it stimulates search behavior. And so unless you're understanding the interaction effects between the different media that you're buying, top, middle, and lower funnel, you can't effectively manage that media mix. And so we're sort of pleased that we took the jump into becoming a full service agency because of the way that the Venn diagrams interact with each other now, that you really can't run uh, in a silo Crazily enough, you we feel like creative has is, is gotten more important than ever because your ability to afford a particular kind of media channel or media placement is contingent upon great creative. You can take a brilliant media plan with all the best targeting and run it, and if you don't have great creative, you fail, right? So we ended up having to buy those creative shops and, and, and build our creative shops as well, but we're not... We're not over, we don't take too much um, of, of a owned only perspective on creative because we find that influencers can generate some amazing creative, right? And so, you know, you really need to be pretty holistic these days, I think, to, to hit the home runs in marketing. And, and that's what's super exciting about it. Going back to your first comment, uh, you, you missed Dogpile, one of my favorite search engines. Uh, so I'm sure I'm sure you were helping optimize for that as well. So you actually you kind of uh, you took us through the narrative and story all the way up to today, which which actually gets to the kind of the core topic I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know the kind of emerging uh, digital retail media uh, new industry within the overall digital media ecosystem, uh, whether you, whether we call it uh, marketplaces or you know retail media TBD on the the best vernacular or uh, terminology to use, but. You know, one of the things that we've heard over the last few weeks, as you and I have both met and, and we've been at a couple different industry events, is, uh, you know, kind of on the one hand, you have uh, agencies who are pure play e-commerce or retail media um, agencies that have sprung up, of which there are hundreds of them over the last few years. And then you have uh, another few hundred, um, you know, various stages, various sizes, uh, digital performance media companies who are starting to incorporate e-commerce and retail media into uh, into practice areas. So, you know, what, what I'd love to talk to you about is uh, you, you're coming from, you know, as you had mentioned during uh, your, your, your discussion, 
you've you've come from the evolution as a, a siloed or pure play SEO agency, and now you're you're full omni-channel, full service digital performance, um, and you've you know more recently started to move into the retail media channel. You know, tell me a little bit about you know how you moved into this channel, some of the um, the things you were thinking about as you kind of moved into this this new practice area. Sure, thanks, Alan. Um, for for me, it was really all about uh, the different forms of advertising and the level of intent combined with the level of targeting that is available in those various channels. And obviously having come from search after, you know, previous to getting into search, I, I worked at a branding agency, two branding agencies, uh, J. Walter Thompson and McCann Erickson. But, you know, once I got into search, I realized, oh, wow, the intense signal is super strong. And so you certainly want to harvest all the existing intent for a customer, if they can afford the, that, that media on the paid side or get organic placement on the organic side, but you run out of existing intent to harvest. That means you have to try to figure out how to change people's behavior or change people's opinion or belief about a brand or a product, and that requires that you move up funnel. Once you start to move up funnel, understanding the audience and having data about that audience becomes critically important. Right? Not all media opportunities are created equal. And, and retail media is sort of unique, right? Because uh, obviously it manifested itself to some extent uh, in Amazon, right? Amazon really became the e-commerce search engine, right? And we were like, oh, search engines. We understand search engines. The difference is Amazon, in Amazon's case, people are engaging in search behavior there. But they're not exclusively engaging in search behavior, they're also engaging in browse behavior, right? So knowing what they're looking at now from a product perspective allows one to use, you know, their sponsored listings environment to choose to be there when people are in browse uh, mode. And then they even have upper funnel opportunities where you can get people even further at the category level. And that's that's all super, super fascinating. Yeah, increasingly, it's it's more fascinating as Amazon's gotten into the exchange business, having essentially an exchange and a DSP that allows one to buy a potentially intent outside of the Amazon ecosystem, it's even more exciting, right? Because now you're not even stuck just with those people. So for us, it's really been about, okay, first you want to harvest demand, then you want to go for the next best thing, which is understanding psychographics, demographics, and personas, Right? Do you have access to those and who has the data? Okay, retailers have some of that data. Facebook has some of that data, although Facebook can't always apply that data now with IDFA, right, in, in iPhones. And so we have the situation where the level of precision of the data and the level of accuracy of the data is different in different ecosystems. And so retail media is exciting because it was even exciting to me when I learned about shelf placement. 29 years ago when I was like, oh, you pay for shelf placement as a brand in a supermarket? Like, oh, I get it. The right person's there at the right time. And if you can get the right message to them, you can sell your stuff, right? And so retail media has that high intent signal and high level of precision of targeting that is pretty close to search, right? It's sort of the next best thing. And so when when you when your team's really really good at executing one thing and you're like oh here's another thing that's the next best thing like oh that's exciting right because it, it it fits from a client budgeting perspective right it, you can tell them it's the next best thing for them to try 
and it also fits from a, from a team, team cross-sell perspective. When you have um, looked at different people within your organization or in new hiring, um, what type of new skill sets are you looking for as you're building out this practice? Um, you know, it's a combination. Hiring is, is a challenge uh, in, the, in the ecosystem at the moment. Uh, we'll have to see what happens uh, depending on uh, a variety of factors with a potential upcoming recession and potential contraction or reduction in force at, at some of the major platforms who've come under fire recently for potentially being overstaffed. Obviously, with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, that's the one that is at the forefront of everybody's mind, and there may be some adjustments there and great talent which becomes available there. Uh, there may be great talent that ends up becoming available from some of the other platforms, which may be a little bit overstaffed. And, and similarly, some agencies may have overstaffed, although probably less so, uh, or publishers may have overstaffed. So we, we look first for intelligence because you know there's a vocational element of what we do. You have to know how to do it, right? You need to be trained on how to do it. Uh, but there's also having the intelligence to understand the strategic implications of why you're doing it, why you're doing it a particular way. So we get less hung up on buzzwords in resumes than we do on just understanding whether the person has the capacity to be trained on a platform and be, become a good uh, tactician and a good strategist. Some folks stay tacticians, right? And that's fine, right? If you're a great tactician, you can make a wonderful living being an expert as a, a tactical expert, an operational expert in a particular category. But there are some folks who sort of want to be able to you know, grow by becoming more strategic. And even some of the tacticians remain a strong tactician and, and uh, also become strategic. So we, we like to train people to understand um, how to operate in the kitchen and dice the vegetables and cook the food, but also how to think of new recipes, <laughs> right? So, you know, there, there's a combination of that that goes on in, in digital media. And as you're adding a, a new channel such as retail media, how do you, from a data strategy perspective, what, what is the data strategy? You know, you have, as you're looking at an overall omni-channel uh, strategy for or on behalf of your clients, um, you know, one of the tricky parts today across channels is, you know, the data doesn't necessarily talk to each other. Uh, so, you know, how do you internally uh, try to, you know, kind of overcome that, you know, kind of a disparate data set obstacle so that, um, you know, money can flow more smoothly across channels as you're trying to reach the, you know, inevitable consumer uh, who the brand is, is trying to uh, create messages in front of? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the better data one has from an accuracy perspective, the, the better one can tune a, a media and a marketing plan. And so uh, there's all sorts of first-party data opportunities and making sure that we're capturing as much first-party data as possible. But there's also making sure that we take advantage of other people's first-party data, in particular retail media. That's where it becomes fascinating, right? Because some of the retail media partners, they know things about their customers and while they can't give it to you on a PII basis, right? They can't share the information with you on a PII basis. One can tap into those. And the extent to which there's a close fit between sort of the best customers that we know about for our clients and those similar lookalikes, you know, which could be sometimes floated up algorithmically through AI and sometimes can be more sort of just determined as a result of analysts looking at data. 
you know, that can be super powerful because, you know, every media plan, every marketing plan is going to have a certain amount of efficiency and a certain amount of waste. And, and waste isn't necessarily bad if the media is cheap. It's as the media gets more and more expensive, eliminating the waste and doubling down on, on, on targeting can be, become really powerful, right? So if you sort of think about Super Bowl advertising, you know, there are lots of great strategic reasons to advertise on the Super Bowl, but that is not cherry picking, right? You're going after an extremely wide, extremely broad audience. You're not cherry picking at all. Know, the the opposite end of the spectrum would probably be direct mail right because you could buy a direct mail list with a lot of really precision information on individuals I'm sure Experian can guess what color underwear I have on even though I don't know because they probably have my buying patterns down to that level of granularity similarly Amazon could probably guess that as well right so you know taking advantage of the of the data sources that one has available to make marketing plans and media plans more efficient is is super powerful. Yes, we're definitely seeing that Amazon, uh, especially this year, has moved uh, very deep down the direction of precision marketing, um, you know, from your background and my background, clearly, uh, you know, a very similar path to what Google took from its early days as it was, um, you know, maturing from a young adolescent into an adult. Uh, switching topics a little bit on you, um, you know, in the retail media space, you know, as we're moving towards 2023, you know, what are you thinking about? What are you seeing? What types of changes do you think we will see in the industry? It's it's going to be really interesting to watch retail media over the next uh, year because uh, the macro environment is still a big question mark. And uh, as a result of the macro environment being a big question mark, the media mix that a lot of brands end up using may be different, right? Uh, I, I, I get the sense from chatting with, in particular, the bigger brands, that they're more comfortable doing upper funnel brand marketing when things look rosy. And then as things look less rosy, they sort of hunker down and they, and they basically are more interested in if, if buying existing demand or at least taking lower funnel folks who are choosing between brands and then just tilting them towards their brand instead of the competitive brand. So they're more interested in, for example, competitive conquest in a in a in a um, less than robust uh, e economy. And retail media sort of lends itself to a lot of those kinds of things. Um, under understanding competitive conquest opportunities, understanding uh, intent as a result of search, um, and using fairly precise targeting. You know, it will be fascinating to see how retail media evolves to start including in-store display, right? Because uh, I always think back to that, that scene in Minority Report, right? After the eye transplant, Tom Cruise is, you know, I think call, uh, greeted as uh, Mr. Nakamoto or something along those lines because that's his retinal scan. So we, we haven't gotten to that level of precision targeting in a retail environment from a display media environment, but you know you are there <laughs> from the perspective of the digital media environment for a lot of these retailers. So it's 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 really been interesting to see um, how that data is is being used outside of that particular retailer, not just within that retailer. And there's a small handful of fairly large retailers who can potentially deploy that data 
outside of their their digital walls, right? Who can basically use that data in the in in the open ad ecosystem um, and still keep it anonymized, uh, keep it you know all within the the confines of either GDPR or CCPA or any other privacy uh, uh, regulations that are going to be there. And that's going to be really fun to watch over the next six months to a year. I love you using the Minority Report example. Uh, I actually brought that up just last week. And uh, I think from a technology perspective, Amazon is already there with the, uh, the stores that they're rolling out where you walk into the store and basically swipe your, your Amazon app on your phone and walk around the store, pick up what you want and leave. Uh, all through the mirrors that they have in this, the, uh, the cameras they have in the store. So essentially, it's not a retina scan; it's basically a phone scan that you're carrying around with you. So uh, I, I, I too, I believe that uh, we're actually much closer than, uh, than one might expect to that becoming a reality. So uh, probably good for consumer choice. Um, actually, last question: I'd love you know, kind of uh, again switching topics on you. You know, tell me a little bit about the eMarketing Association. Uh, you know, where it is today, I know it's been a, a long running brand that I've known for quite some time uh, and, you know, love to hear what you're doing with uh, with that, that e-marketing association group. Sure. Yeah, I'll get right into the e-marketing association group. Uh, one last comment on the prior question with regard to the Amazon store, Go Store. It happens to be in my building in Manhattan, right? Oh, where wow. Grand Park have one. And they actually rolled out a palm scanner as well. So if you don't have the app with you, you can choose to scan your palm, which is one step closer to using using biometrics as opposed to an app. And I love taking visitors to my office there because it feels like shoplifting, right? And so it's actually, you know, a little bit fun for them if they've never been in there before to accompany me in and and, and do shopping. Uh, As it relates to the eMarketing Association, you know, I acquired the eMarketing Association as a result of a long-standing relationship I had with the, the prior owners. And there was a tragedy in their family, and, and they just, you know, were not able to get back to the relaunch after the, the tragedy in their family. And so uh, when I acquired it, I had thoughts about potentially doing a, a hyper-local strategy with uh, agency owners in different cities being chapter leaders and running local events and streaming those events out to take advantage of the hybrid event idea this was pre-pandemic then the pandemic hit and i said all right forget that strategy and i just really use it for podcasts at the moment while i decide sort of where to take that uh in the future so it serves as a great podcast platform for me obviously you're also a huge fan of podcasts we're doing one now um and uh, i hope to have you on as a guest uh, for the e-marketing e-marketing association podcasts we run as well and Giving Forward, which is the, the last brand that I sort of run day in and day out, uh, is a nonprofit in the cause marketing category. We've got some really fun stuff cooking there as well. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for, for joining us today uh, in today's IntentWise Expert Connect. Uh, certainly, it seems like you're juggling uh, three separate ventures, which uh, uh, are all uh, taking different parts of your, your creative brain to, uh, in, in different directions. Uh, so I love to hear uh, the entrepreneurial zest in uh, in trying to, you know, tackle three different initiatives that, that uh, clearly, uh, uh, hopefully there's room for sleep in there sometimes. So in any event, uh, you know, thank you for being uh, a guest today and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Check out the past episodes of Intendwise Connect at intendwise.com slash podcast.